Uh, thank you for coming back to Marsh Minutes. Uh, this week, my guest is Jeffrey Straker, and uh, he is the first guest that I've had who has a Wikipedia article. So I'm actually going to read from that. Uh, you tell me how much is is true and what's not. So uh, Jeffrey Straker, uh, born in uh, Punichi. Punishai. Punishai. Okay, there you go. Saskatchewan is a Canadian folk root singer songwriter who's based in Toronto, Ontario, and Regina, Saskatchewan. His piano-based pop style music, or sorry, pop-based musical style, has drawn comparisons to Elton John, Neil Young, Rufus Wainwright, and Chris Christopherson. So, would you say okay. that's pretty apt there? Yeah, that seems pretty good. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know like June especially has been a really busy month for you. Um, and uh, I, I, I think uh, it's kind of interesting. I wasn't planning on the uh, Wikipedia article thing, but that tapped into like what I want to talk about first, which is like what genre you are. And I saw Rufus Wainwright on there too. And I, I hope it's not, uh, I hope it's okay for me to like make a, comparison to that because I, I, you know, I get a lot of good vibes and, and similarities with that yeah no it, and it's an interesting question and and um like I I would say for my genre now I I, I, I slot it as folk roots mm -hmm. right um four years ago I would have said folk pop um and and I, in fact my first ever well actually my second record that ever came out was probably just more pop and it, it's really evolved over time and that and that's not been a conscious like it's not been a conscious effort to evolve sound therefore genre it's just i think human beings we're all anybody who's creating anything and creating a creative output our output is the sum of our inputs mm -hmm. and over time my inputs have simply changed like i'm just i i listen to roots and americana and folk music now and probably no pop music these days you know and and i and i always have a hefty dose of 60s, 70s singer-songwriters, like the classic, I can't get enough of that. Yeah. Tony Mitchell, Carol King, Gordon Lightfoot, you know, Neil Young and, and James Taylor, all the, you know, all that. So I'm listening to all that as well as, you know, like, um, you know, Donovan Woods and, and Jason Isbell and all this sort of stuff. So if that's what's going in, my, my sound output will change too. So these days, uh, short, long answer to a very short question, I would say, you know, folk roots, but you know what, it, it has changed just like and actually because i mentioned joni there's another artist who really her sound changed so much over across her albums right yeah. i mean today is the 50th anniversary of the blue record actually. really yeah and so you know that was her bearing her soul in a very singer songwriter folky kind of way and in fact that record was actually seen as too much for most people she was too vulnerable how dare a woman be that vulnerable you know and i mean and so then over over time her, she switched to jazz and and like it's like she really changed it up and and i find i'm drawn to musicians who change their sound a bit too so and maybe maybe that sort of plays some consciously into how my sound has changed too like i, I that's what i admire about some other artists and maybe on a, on a, on a deeper level that has provoked change in me too. I don't know who, who, who knows, but what comes out is, uh, is it's always interesting to explore with each new record, you know, mm -hmm. it sort of has changed. Well, I implore anyone to, to check out your music. You've been doing this for quite a while and, um, 
you have all your music videos on YouTube and you're on Spotify, you're on iTunes. There's a new record just before sunrise that's available. Um, mm-hmm. I gave it a few listens to, I'm a, I'm a big fan and, and I, I do see exactly what's happening with that, like evolution of genre and, um, you know, you're adding different instrumentations or different applications of those instruments in there. And uh, mm-hmm. you're, pl- you're playing with it. You're evolving as an artist, which I think you need to do. I think so. And it's interesting, even with this record, like I, I felt it was so like, to me, it was just like so normal to have, you know, a steel guitar with a piano yeah. uh, or a banjo with a piano. Yet some reviewers have reviewed it and said, you know, um, you know, it, he was daring enough to put a steel guitar with a piano. And I was like, I mean, then they meant it in a good way, but I was like, is that daring? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, but people, yeah, it's funny how people hear things differently, but, but I'm glad you heard a change. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and genre wise, um, you know, you ask people who are big music fans who generally listen to everything and that's the, you know, what music do you listen to? Everything. That's one of those weird <laughs> responses to that. And, uh, most of the time it's everything except for country. And what they mean is everything yeah, yeah, except yeah. for pop country. Um, yes, and then I yes, look yes, at, yes. I look at like this album, uh, has having some like country influences, but more on the folk side of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, growing up, uh, you know, it's really funny. I, I think my sound is probably coming back to where some of the earliest music I listened to, you know, like on, on the farm growing up in rural Saskatchewan, my, obviously my first music was what my parents were playing. And that was like Dolly Parton. Hank Snow, Roy Acuff, like all that stuff, Loretta Lynn, you know, this kind of stuff. And um, there was always ABBA as well. (laughs) Did they listen to Joni Mitchell or was that something that you had to pick up later on? There was a bit of Joni Mitchell and Gordon Lightfoot in there too. And so it's interesting that, you know, that's what I'm really leaning to know. Like I kind of feel over time, we all kind of go back home, which is actually the theme of Just Before Sunrise. Like, that's what the overall theme is. Mm-hmm. And it's interestingly, sonically, that's what I'm doing, too. Everything is just sort of simpler and more acoustic and organic. Like, it, it's odd how that happens. And I'm not choosing to. It's just where I'm going, you know? So so to to, to your point, like, the, the, the earliest music um, is, is kind of what I'm heading back to. I don't know. Maybe that's part of... I mean, that's probably getting older. <laughs> maybe, and and I think you're touching on something because maybe this is the uh, the end of your hermitage out to Toronto um, to do that kind of style of music, and then coming back. Um, uh, I, I'm going to butcher the song title, but I want to go back there. Is that the title? I want to go back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, yeah. I played that for my mom, and she cried because oh, she thought oh. the song was so beautiful and it was so like she she could understand exactly where you're coming from and she's not usually a person that dissects music that much and um but it was like it was very visceral to her being like yeah no this is like a, a somber song about wanting to go back home and and the hopefulness around that and um so like i i think you've been progressing towards that i think maybe yeah and but and and i would i agree with you and but i think the thing i find fascinating about it is like none of that is sort of conscious i don't think but obviously there's some force at play making it happen but what that force is i don't know like it's 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 interesting i think if you're consciously making music you're doing it wrong and <laughs> you don't have a lot of longevity in the industry to do that uh, yeah i think i think you're right too that and that's like a whole that's like a whole other conversation <laughs> well you, you touched on the album a little bit there do you want to talk a little bit more about it and give a give a brief uh breakdown sure yeah so the it's a 10 song folk roots record called just before sunrise and it was produced 
by and large, but for the most part, by a, a producer named Russell Broom in Calgary. Uh, two songs were produced by Royal Wood in Toronto. He also co-wrote, co-wrote two of the songs. Oh, cool. um, this, so sonically, you know, there's the piano is kind of at the middle of it with piano and vocal, and then, you know, uh, sort of a, a chorus of roots folk, mainly acoustic instruments surround that. Um, there's some songs where we decided to have very little piano at all um, because we thought that would sort of serve the song better. Thematically, um, the the songs really kind of talk to like, and this is if you look across all 10 of them, they kind of, they look back and they take stock and they take a really good look at where the singer and the listener have been. Um, you know, do a bit of an assessment, if you will, uh, sort of survey the, the territory. And then I feel, again, this wasn't conscious, but I feel the record ends up with an overall tone of optimism, like looking forward with optimism. Like, so it gets comfortable with where one has come from. Hopefully it takes the listener on that journey. And then it, it, it seems to end on a note overall of positivity. Like it's like, and now we set forth from here and uh, you know, with, with a bit of a clean slate. And it's, it's kind of a record about getting comfortable with where you've come from in order to try to figure out where it is that you're going. And when did you start writing the majority of the songs for this? Was it during the pandemic? No, but, but, and I get asked, I get asked that question and I know why I get asked that, asked that question, but there, but there's a reason why that question comes up. And most of these songs started to be written two and a half years ago, just as my mom passed away. Oh, so, right. you know, it was a, which was obviously a really huge upheaval in my life, like the biggest emotional upheaval ever. Um, but the the parallel of the feeling in the wake of mom passing away, those feelings were very similar to when the pandemic hit. This kind of emptiness, this unsuredness, this, you know, where is this all headed? Like, it's a very similar thing. Like, it's almost like, for sure, there was heavy, heavy grief in the wake of mom passing away. It was a massive and almost unmanageable. Um, uh, work, work through it. And in fact, writing the songs on this record were a huge part of that therapy. Uh, but then when the pandemic hit too, those same questions came up, but for another, uh, there was another trigger. So I totally see why that question would come up. You know, it, it's, it's really interesting. That's that's and and uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I knew about that, and um, it, it's it's good that you had that um, outlet to to be able to uh, do that and um, and and be able to make the best of it. I guess in a way, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it's funny. Like, there's there are there's two songs on the record that were written when mom was actually in the hospital. Um, and, and, and it, she, she, it, she had this very funny thing happen to her and that she got this infection that just went, went out of control and it, yeah. it went, it turned into septic shock. And so she was in the ICU on life support. And then at one point after being on a life support for quite a few days, um, she emerged from it, like to everybody's surprise. And, and we, we thought, Oh, she's going to be okay. Like, you know, it'll take a lot of rehabilitation, but she's going to be okay. And so during that time I wrote these songs. Uh, and then a few days later, she ended up passing away. So it was yeah. like this, the whole thing was this roller coaster of, of extreme emotions. But so um, the, some of the songs were written then. 
and then some were written in the process after she had passed away about sort of processing grief. Um, and, you know, and then, and then the further away from it that I got, I think probably the more, you know, the more understanding or the more you've worked through it, the songs kind of changed. So they're, they were very much written in this time though. Would like when someone like your mom passes away, you really, it's this, it's this really um, up close conversation with your own mortality yeah. is what you end up having and so you know a lot of it was like questioning like you know once you sort of sort out where it is that you've been and where you've come from then you start then you look then you tilt forward and you're like okay where am i going but then people who have their wits about them would then ask themselves in addition to where i'm going you ask yourself the question where would i like to be going and that's often a different answer um luckily for me it was the same answer, but, but, uh, you know, but sometimes it's not. And, and then, and, and then therefore you have a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you if, know. if the midlife crisis manifests in more great music, I, I think you could probably be appreciative of that. And at least I am. So, <laughs> hope so. Um, hope so. Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a great record. Um, I've uh, I'm, I'm going to put everything in the show notes there. Um, available on CD and vinyl, which I'm going to pick up from you sometime soon. Uh, you're selling okay. Regina, right? I'm going to have to do I'm, that. Yeah. Um, and uh, on Spotify, iTunes, you know, anywhere that uh, would have music. Yeah. Um, sure. So no, it's it's great to hear from that, and uh, it's great to be able to kind of reconcile those emotions. Um, into that and um, I noticed um, I heard uh, Jill a lot more in this record than I normally have is that correct you know what that back backing vocalist yes that's actually not my sister oh okay. uh, we recorded you're you're hearing the voice that you are hearing the voice of a backing singer yes she was a gal in Calgary who Russell the producer um, identified as the as the timbre of voice he wanted for this gotcha. Jill travels uh though she sounds kind of like july to, to <laughs> so you're not wrong um jill jill with with a job and a child now just is able to travel with with me way less so she'll yeah. she sings shows at home uh in in regina but really doesn't come on the road much anymore sadly 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 well it's it's good that uh they, they you know producers have a different ear for those kind of things right and, yeah yeah um it, it would have been nice to hear jill on the record i guess and maybe work with her on that i'm sure you worked with her with some of the songs and uh have oh, uh, yeah. been in discussion with that um that actually leads into um something else i wanted to talk about which uh your christmas special which is uh the what was it called the jeffrey strakers very prairie christmas very prairie christmas that's it um I, I have been to two of those and I was really looking forward to last year's. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yes. Um, we, we go every year. I take my mom, I take my mother-in-law, my wife. Uh, we oh, have a blast with it. And, and Jill performs with you there. Uh, that was yep. kind of a segue that I go into. Um, yep. so, so it's really unfortunate that that couldn't happen. Are you kind of hopeful that it's going to happen again this year? Well, between you and me and the wall, there may be a few dates on hold. Uh, so we'll see. It's obviously pending what COVID will do at this point in time. You know, if, if things COVID related progress the way they are, like it, it will happen. Mm -hmm. But I mean, fall will be a big telltale, not yeah. just for that show, but for live music in general, you know, like we're all, we're all kind of giddy right now, but I think we're, cautiously giddy mm -hmm. I, I know uh, I, I am friends with a lot of artists who that was kind of their lifeline is performing uh live um especially nowadays when you're making music and putting music online uh it's not necessarily uh as monetarily beneficial to you and uh, a lot of that stuff uh, you know, the, the money that comes back to you is from merchandise and from purchasing physical records and the performances that you're doing as well 
Yeah. So, I mean, my number is a, it's like between 80 and 90% of my living comes from live performances. So, because, but I mean, um, It'll actually, it'll have changed a bit this year because when you have a new album, you sell a lot of the, the new album, but yeah. so it'll adjust a bit this year. But it's, but it's, suffice it to say, a lot. Like the vast majority of my income comes from live performances. So it's great to be getting back into them now, sort of post-COVID. But with the online shows, I mean, that was a really interesting thing to go through and experience because when we first had to switch from doing, you know, live shows to online shows, um, what saved me, sort of what got me through the pandemic was the generosity of my fans in these online shows last April, May, June, because I would do a Facebook live show and I could easily have between 300 to sometimes 1200 devices log in and watch these shows. And I'd put up a donate link because it was like a concert mm -hmm. and people were very happily donating. And, and you know, it, it helped, it earned me enough income to bide me through the pandemic. And that's all hugely you know huge amounts of gratitude to fans um however what happened though and i and i certainly don't fault anyone for this people became screen fatigued and mm. it's because they're spending all day online with zoom meetings and this meeting and god knows what kind of meeting but they're staring at the screen by the end like even by two months ago the last thing they wanted to do was come home in the evening and stare at another screen yeah so the idea of the online show, I think it sort of had its its big moment at the start of the pandemic. I think we saw a more realistic view of what those things really will be by the end of the pandemic. Like, I don't think, like, they will never substitute live music. There's no way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and uh, I, I come from uh, the side of things that like Twitch and YouTube and a lot of those things that are entirely yeah. online based. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's mm -hmm. a very different audience and it's a very different type of medium that's there. Um, and it, yeah. nothing beats like a live performance of a uh, musician, right? Um, yeah. And, and like really, I'll be completely heartbroken if I can't go see the, the Christmas show again because it is one of the things I look forward to all year. Oh, um, well, I, I really hope it happens too. I mean, and, I, and that's very nice of you to say too. Well, it's just it's it's like what it's called a very prairie Christmas. You get everyone together, and um, it, it's not uh, like it, it's easy to say. Oh yeah, it's like this, right? It's like right. the Christmas specials you see on on TV, like the the Buble Christmas specials, right? Um, it's that, but local and with all these different artists and all these different uh, like like you had uh, Stephanie Langenegger on last uh, time, correct? We to had Shauna Shauna Sean Powers, Shauna Powers, Shauna Powers. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, to yeah. to read, and that was a nice little interlude in between the the music and uh, you know merging of genres and the the thing that kind of held everything together is a love of Christmas and a love of home in the prairies. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I'm sure that that's what you were going for, and yeah, if so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you nailed it a hundred percent. So. That is that is what I was going for. Yeah, I mean it's a tricky thing because like I love those. Oh, I loved those Christmas specials of of, of past. Like it, it seems that no one's producing them anymore, really. Um, but there, but people remember them and have an appetite for them. And so there's some trying to tap into that feeling was kind of what I wanted to do. Obviously, with a local spin on it, um, and it's kind of a variety show um, and a bit of a homey feeling. So, we'll. I mean, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you. I'm so glad you described it just the way you did because it's. If I w had written a brief about it, you would have ticked all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. I'm just saying what I kind of feel, and and uh, it, it's easy to convey that when you're, you know, expressing that in what the show is. Um, well, that's cool. And uh, yeah, so yeah. how many how many uh, days did you have last uh, last time the show was on? We had 
two, um, and, and we were going to move it to what well, we did too locally but then what we did is we then booked it all like we booked it all over the place we had two we had two shows in moose Jaw. we had one in pa north battleford wow and hat uh, like there were t- two in saskatoon the pandemic ended up killing most of them yeah um we were able to do uh last year we did one in pa one in north battleford with very small local audiences in the theater you could have 30 and then yeah. all the other tickets were online yeah uh, it just wasn't the same you know we as, as you know um Hopefully, though, what we can do is bring it back and and back to Casino Regina, which was which is kind of the the mothership of the show. Yes, um, where we we have that room is perfect for that, right? And uh, and then maybe and maybe do a few more around the province too. But we'll we'll see. We gotta we gotta sort of like like sort of uh, tiptoe into the fall and see what what it, what what this pesky virus will let us do. And what about uh, our neighbors to the east and west, uh, Alberta and Manitoba? Is that something you guys discussed as well? Well, kind of. But the, so, Medicine Hat was booked last year to be the first sort of tiptoe into Alberta, and the, the and much to my surprise, like because I don't really have a huge following there per se, but the tickets were selling really well, and it was in this really nice theater. I forget what the Esplanade Center. Um, so you know, and, and I know the the, uh, the Calgary Folk Club, which has a, a really big audience, wants to bring it there this year too, if they can. So that would be a, a Calgary stop. So. You know, I'd, I'd like to go a little bit into Manitoba too, but I'm also aware that this is the kind of show that you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about it with this sort of, the, the it's the local factor, I think, that makes it special. So, um, you know, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure how far one would want to take it geographically to, to, to because you want to maintain that local feel, you yeah. know, because it's that feel of being wrapped up in a, in a, in a, in a blanket with, you know, by the, by the fire that kind of makes it special. So I got, I got a tiptoe into this. I don't know. Uh, well, and even though we kind of squabble, right, they're still our brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so exactly, they're, they're still exactly. the prairies, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. none of these surfer guys out, you know, in BC or, uh, the big yeah, coats, yeah, no. <laughs> big suits, not, rather. Not having it. No, no, not no. having it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, that that's awesome. Um, looking forward to that again. Uh, I I would like to talk uh, a little more, and we we touched on this a little bit, but um, so this is a marketing show, um, and uh, primarily digital is what I do, but work on mm-hmm. everything in terms of consulting. Um, so I don't know. Tell me, tell me how marketing your music is nowadays. Well, I mean. That's a that's a, that, uh, let me see how I'd answer that one. Where I would start with is how I would typically do it. Let's let's pretend there was no pandemic. You would typically in the past have launched a single, maybe two, and then the album. Put a bit of support behind each single to hint it. Here's the record that's about to come out. Um, you'd just release those singles, you know, online on the digital platforms, and then the record would come out online as well as a physical copy, and then you would tour it and you'd you'd, you'd earn your money. Um, you know your income from the live show. You'd interact with your fans as as the as the tour happened. Your your publicist would uh, get the music out to uh, the the writers, whether they're regional papers or TV or radio or whatever. Your radio promoter would would work on getting the songs out to relevant radio shows, and somewhere in there, you'd hope that it reaches enough ears that, uh, and sort of like reaches new fan. Each time you release a new record, you, you'd want to with those efforts reach some new listeners right and so expand your audience that way and then you'd hope that your tour is also getting to more new listeners and essentially every artist in the history of music that's kind of how their audience growth has gone with with this is the first time i've launched a, a record in a pandemic and i was actually going to launch this record last may 
And I, then I, when, when I realized I couldn't do that properly, mm -hmm. I put it off a few months and thought, well, this pandemic's obviously going to go away in two months. So I'll just, I'll, I'll just wait a few months and this is going to be, <laughs> this thing I'll have blown, blown away like the wind. And that didn't happen. So finally, I put it off and put it off. And then May came along and we started planning in advance for May in about January with my publicist and my marketer and my agent. And we're trying to you know, figure out how do we do this. And so what that meant is that I, I did start launching singles the May before. So by the time the record launched, five songs had launched as singles. And interestingly, what I found is that method, much to my surprise um, and just total forced experimentation, has provided the largest engagement on a record release I've ever done. So releasing, instead of releasing one or two singles, leading up to the record, launching five of them, each with a bunch of social media tooting. And you know, you, 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 know, you release a single, then pause and go away and don't talk about new music for a while. A couple months later, hey, here's another single. And it really ramped up my online audiences, like to the point wow. where my online audiences have grown the most I've ever seen them grow. It was really fascinating. You, you know, so, you could almost compare that to when a new TV show comes out on Netflix and yeah. you watch it all, you know, in a weekend or yeah. a couple of days or whatever that might be. And you're just like, okay, it's over. Um, but yep. what Disney plus is doing now, they're releasing an episode each week and it's kind of got, yeah. like, I don't have cable. I haven't had cable for five years. Um, Same, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's interesting cause I, I never liked that episodic type of thing, but when it's easily yeah. accessible, I could watch it whenever I don't have to PVR it or, um, yeah. you know, wait a specific time. And, and, you know, it, it is more engaging and it does get you excited for the next one and doesn't burn you out. So I, I think mm -hmm. there might be some parallels there. There could be. And I mean, I honestly would have thought that's too, like, I would have thought, oh, that's too much. You're giving away half the record before the record comes out. But what it has done is like, like what I've learned is like, so not everyone liked every single, right? Mm -hmm. So then, but so they might have really engaged with one and then maybe because the way social media works, like only, it's like only like 5% of your fan, your, your followers will see a given Facebook post, right? Like it's not without buying ads, Facebook's no dummies they know mm -hmm. how this works right yeah so so not all fans saw even knew all singles were out so what it meant is i had five attempts or five cracks at reaching listeners and saying hey a record's coming out hey a record's coming out hey a record's coming out five times and then the record did come out and with those five times telling people a record's coming out i think that resulted in more people knowing the record was coming out and then the record was out and it's got you know in a in a for, i mean this is not earth-shattering numbers but for me uh, one month after release, it's got over a hundred thousand spins. So for me, that's like, that's a lot for me, like yeah. you know, uh, folk rootsy Jeffrey Strager. Um, so it's interesting to see that my last record, you know, this, this has now has more spins in a month than my last record did in four years. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite fascinating. Right. Um, so in tandem with that, how I released this one, I, I couldn't tour. So I did do something that I learned a lot of interesting, um, sort of, things from I did an online tour so I partnered with six venues across the country to do six shows online mm -hmm. we recorded we, we shot on a stage in Regina and then partnered with different six different theaters and festivals and 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 box office the show sold the tickets in conjunction with them they sold to their audiences I sold to mine in that area and we got a really nice audience across the country that way too the thing and so and, and ticket sales were quite good they certainly weren't as good as they would have been last may had we done it a year ago you yeah know, just because of that fatigue but i mean how you can't you can't win them all but no. that that was a neat uh neat new thing i'd never done before
Well, it's it's really interesting that you're being data driven with um, looking at your analytics. Um, that's a lot of what I try to stress to anyone I'm working with to do, right? Because yeah. the the proof is in the data that you're given. Um, and so so now, given that data and, and given the information that you have now, uh, are you going to adjust how you're going to release future <clears throat> records because of that? Yeah. So, like, I I I, I for sure will release multiple singles in advance of the record again it's like it's like and i was trying to explain this to another musician the other day who shall remain a name and they, they were like oh it just seems like you're you're giving away too much i'm like i know it seems that way but the result was that there was just simply more engagement like i you know so i would like there's no way i would not do that given mm-hmm. given how what you know i probably would i mean if i can if I can tour live next time, like I, I wouldn't do the online tour again, but I would still mix in a smattering of online shows because there are people who simply, the night I'm in their community, it doesn't work for them or their theater mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? So doing an online, doing a couple online shows is still a thing that makes sense. Um, so, you know, I learned a lot from this, you know, sort of being thrown a, a bucket of lemons. I mean, a bit of a lemonade did come from this, you know? Yeah. Um, at the same time, my my publicist still did all the work that 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 she would do, not in the pandemic. You know, you still reach out to the same media. There was a bit of a problem there, only in that, like, and she's a really amazing publicist. Um, she found that because it's a pandemic and so few people are touring, everyone was pitching their music to all the media. Yes. And let's face it, there's so little media left that they just like they're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So. One one should adjust down their expectations from media, um, you know, as we uh, sadly slowly watch them all, you know, disintegrate anyway. Yeah. Um, one thing I did do though is I I engaged a digital marketer who, um, you know, worked various ways of sort of promoting my music to various people that it, you know that digitally that hey there are songs on all these digital platforms. Um, helped to get some songs on some playlists, etc. Uh, some pretty hefty playlists too that, that helped to get new listeners too. So to me, like engaging a digital marketer is also something I would do again too, because we're really in such a digital age. It, it really helps. I'm going to get that sound bite. I'm going to play it for every single person <laughs> I pitch my services to now. Um, and it's, it's, it's good that you, uh, you were able to reach out and kind of identify um, where your strengths were and where, you know, you needed to, um, work a little bit at. And, uh, I, I've actually found that a lot of people have reached out to my services that wouldn't have necessarily done that because like, Oh, we have to change. We have to do something different. Yeah. Um, because the world is the way it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing, and one thing I saw that, that I was always, I was, I'm still fascinated with was I did a campaign with some, with some Facebook ads to grow my, to, to like in the right way, grow some new followers behind my music on my Facebook fan mm-hmm. page, which really, worked really well. And so w- with with Facebook ads pointed there, what I was so surprised at was how with with doing no Google ads, my YouTube subscribership grew immensely by do by only by focusing on Facebook and it's because these people they're not they don't live in a box. Like they're they're trotting across all the spaces online, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, even Twitter, Twitter grew, YouTube grew, by folk, by even just by by trying by um, working to get more followers on Facebook. So, I mean, I don't understand it. I don't understand the online world holistically as much as you would. But it's it's fascinated how intertwined the whole thing is. You know. It, well, so the the principle with that is that you have to convey the most basic level of information because then people are going to turn their brains off. Um, so if I say this is Jeffrey Straker, this is his music. 
awesome. You don't have to go, oh, you know, go here, click here, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah, like, yeah. okay, Jeffrey Straker. I wonder if he's on YouTube or Jeffrey Straker. Oh, I'm going to Google yeah. him. And, and it's interesting. It's it's funny because when you uh, Google Jeffrey Straker, because uh, I was looking up uh, several things to put in the show notes and everything, uh, first thing that comes up is Jeffrey Straker age. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw that the other day too <laughs> but uh you, you know you, you type in jeffrey stricker and all your stuff's there because you already have a, a prolonged uh, career and uh um enough of an impact online that it, as long as you say hey i'm here people are like okay well where else are you and they'll look it up i think you're it's like i live I, I i have to disagree with that because um, that's what I saw happen. Like people clearly were going to other platforms to see like, oh, is he here, is he here, is he here? You know, it, it's really, so the, that digital marketing piece was I, I engaged in that the most ever with the launch of this record and I found it fascinating. And mm -hmm. it was interesting to see, you know, like, um, you know, demographics and, and numbers and and if, if this if this platform grew, what did this platform do? Like it's 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 really interesting stuff. And and um what I can't wait to see, and, and I've already seen a little bit of it, is I, I did some shows um, over the past couple of weeks, small shows, but public shows, and there were some brand new listeners mm -hmm. um, who found me online. You know, it, it, so so that the digital stuff translated into physical bodies in an audience. So that was yeah. really neat to see it come full circle. Yeah, no, I'm I, I, I'm excited that you're excited about this, and um, I, I'm definitely going to reach out and chat with you more for the next record because you you learn lessons and you try new things and um yeah i, I love data so i just want to see exactly how that works you use you yeah. as a proxy to to yeah. <laughs> kind of learn I know, I know you're a data a data nerd uh, i i am i am too like i i i'm i'm always sort of like almost put off at how much i like it <laughs> yeah 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 well and that's <laughs> that's what we that's what we discussed about first um when we we first kind of met up and hung out um it was like hey you know how's your data what spotify <laughs> look like uh yeah. what what's all this and and it was just fascinating because it's a, a industry that i don't work with directly uh but you can get lessons and, and apply them elsewhere. Mm -hmm. the, the tricky thing to do, though, I think, given that at the end of the day, where I approach this from is making music, which is an art. Like there is a point where as much as like the, the business part of the music business is fascinating, like I really do get a bit of a rush out of it. Mm -hmm. I have to be able to turn that off to be able to just like sing songs yeah, and just have my brain be in, in its full right side mode of just creating something you know so it's constantly that balancing juggling act for a for an independent musician yeah. to be like okay shut the business off and just enjoy enjoy creation here you know that's that, why that, you that's have yeah that's why you have the publicist and that's why you have the digital marketing yes. team and uh you know surround yourself with people who can assist you so you can do what you're best at hopefully yeah 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 yeah, yeah. well um i i appreciate you being on and uh I, I i just look forward to every single thing you're doing um going forward like your new record has been out for quite a while but if anyone hasn't listened to it before uh just before sunrise available on itunes uh spotify and uh, i don't know if i touched on this but you have a new video coming out uh tomorrow yes uh do you want to tell us about that a little bit sure so there's a so it's for a song off my new record called ready to be brave the song is really about mustering up the courage to come face to face with something difficult in your life. Like, like specifically have probably having a difficult conversation with someone, whether it be, you know, a, a sibling, a friend, a parent, a lover, whoever. Um, so, so the song was written in a way that hopefully any listener could insert themselves into it to make a video, to tell a story. You obviously have to choose a specific story. Mm -hmm. So ours is set on a farm. Uh, we shot it in Saskatchewan. 
It's my first ever music video that I've ever not appeared in. Oh. Instead, we, we, we use a cast of actors to tell our story. Um, it's beautifully shot by Versa Films out of Saskatoon. They're a great video production company. Dylan um, Hershuk is the director. And, it, and, and I, cannot, I, I can't applaud enough for that cast. I mean, some of them are professional actors. Some of them are first-timers. But oh, like between the beautiful cinematography and the acting, it tells what I think is a really beautiful story. Like There's so much love in this video. Um, it's going to catch some people off guard, I will tell you that much. Okay. Um, it's a story that's not been told a lot. But, uh, but, I, but I'll leave it there to hopefully peak curiosity and we'll see if people watch well that comes out tomorrow on june 23rd uh this mm -hmm. episode's not going to go out until the following monday um but i'll put links in there i can't wait to see it i'll, I'll shoot you a message and let you know what i think uh, sure yeah but uh, only if you like it oh no it, well I'll give you, I'll give you my honest feedback. Yeah, yeah, do, 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 do. <laughs> you deserve that. Um, uh, so, uh, you have the floor if you want to talk about anything else. Uh, you know, I think the, the whole show was pretty much a, a promotion for a lot of the stuff you're doing, uh, as artists usually are, but. Well, I think we covered a lot of it. I mean, you know, just one, what here's because you talk about marketing so much in, in what you do. Um, this is interesting. Uh, and whether, whether or not you want to include this or not, but because my record is called just before sunrise, I snooped around and found a local coffee roaster in Saskatchewan in Outlook called the Prairie Bean Roastery. Awesome. And I said, look, I've got a record called Just Before Sunrise. I think coffee would, would make sense as a thing, like to help me, a, a, a possible merch item or like something. Coffee kind of goes with morning. Like, so I have a roast of coffee. It's my Just Before Sunrise coffee roast that I take to shows. And so I had my first real shows of, with this this past weekend. And it sold like hotcakes. I sold out of this coffee. And I, I was quite flabbergasted. So I was like, oh, is anybody going to buy coffee from a singer pianist? And the answer is yes. So there was a bit of a learning in there to be like out of the box with, hop out of the box with merch ideas. Um, you know, so it was just, it was, it was a, it could have completely failed and I would have had an awful lot of coffee on my hands, <laughs> but it seems to have worked. So it was, it was, it was a neat sort of experiment so far. So what you're saying is you need to partner up with a brewery and uh, have your record around nighttime for the next one. Exactly. The next one will be called like suds in the night. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you very much, man. It was great having you. Um, and, uh, if anyone wants to find out more about you, there's going to be a bunch of uh, notes in the in the bottom and uh, look forward to seeing what you got going on. Sure. Thanks for the chat. I really appreciate it. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.